The opinions expressed in this podcast are the sole opinion of the individual and not that of their employer or any other association with whom the individual is a member to. The content heard within this podcast is solely for information and entertainment purposes and should not be taken as legal advice. If you have a legal question, please consult an attorney. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to Conversate with Akeem D. Earl, and I am back with another very special guest. Now, before we get into that, please like and subscribe to the Conversate podcast on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. It really, really helps grow the platform and allows me to bring you so many special attorneys and to hear more stories and to get more tips to help you through your law school and legal career. Now, for our next guest, we have Mr. Keith Morgan from Newark, New Jersey. He originally grew up in Lynchburg, VA, and he is currently the Deputy Bureau Chief in the Enforcement Bureau at the Federal Communications Commission. Yes, the FCC. I told y'all, only special guest on this podcast. Now, before that, he worked for the United States Attorney's Office as a Deputy Chief in the Civil Division. And before that, he was the assistant. He was a assistant United States attorney for the United States Attorney's Office. And he also worked for the Department of Justice and in their tax division, also as a trial attorney. And before that, he was a, a staff attorney for the Federal Election Commission. Now, you guys, this this episode is very special. If you're in trying to get into public service, if you're trying to be a litigator, if you're trying to be a trial attorney, this episode is for you. We dive into his background, how he got into this field, and shared so many special nuggets on how to enter in this field because he was also on the hiring committee at the DOJ. So he knows what he's talking about. Now, most importantly, he is an adjunct professor at the University of DC, David A. Clark School of Law, which is where I met him. He was my professor uh, for property, and he's also my mock trial coach where we went to war in a couple of matcha competitions. So we, we, we dove into a lot of different uh, great topics. So if whatever you, where you, wherever you are in your legal career, this is going to be very, very special for you. So now let's go. Let's get into next episode of Conversate. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's conversate. Let's do it. Let's do it. Welcome back to another episode of Conversate with Akeem B. Earl. And I'm here with, I call him Professor Morgan. I'm here with Keith call Morgan. call me Keith now, that's right. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you graduate, you call name. me Keith. Yeah, right, right. It's, it's so weird when I leave. It's like, you can call me Deborah. Now you call me like, ah, Professor, yeah. I'm sorry. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard to call no, you by your first name. No, no, no. Keith, Keith, please. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, Keith, thank you for being on the, on the episode of the podcast. No Conversate. Problem. Um, so, and the official opening question for this podcast, all, all the listeners know, is if I was not an attorney, I would be a what? Wow, that's a good one. I'd probably be a teacher, like te- not mm. teaching law, teaching probably something mm-hmm. else. Both my parents were teachers, so really, probably something like that. I would, I would think. What did your parents uh, teach? Both taught physical education. My dad was wow. a physical education teacher in Harlem, mm-hmm. in uh, in New York. Nice. 
and my mom taught in New Jersey and, and in Virginia. She taught physical education. She taught in preschool, uh, different than they had an wow. aunt uh, who taught English in Brooklyn. Uh, nice. Was Family full of teachers. What but, about what about teaching? Do you like the most? I, just, I like working with the students and seeing the development over time. Mm-hmm. Seeing folks, you know, learn the material, get better, the interaction, mm-hmm. and uh, that's fun. That's a good process. Yeah. So, coming back and teaching at UDC has been 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 good, good experience. Yeah, but uh, so yeah, probably get, we, probably that, yeah. but probably teaching. But I didn't really, you know, I I became, decided to go to law school so early, you know, when I was in college. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really think a lot about other careers. I had an uncle who really, he was a business person. He was, you should major in mm-hmm. econ. That's what you should do, you should do economics. Mm-hmm. And I tried that and it just wasn't for me. <laughs> I didn't like but it. I <laughs> majored in political science and the sort of the natural thing for poli-sci majors is to go to law school. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Got you. So what what made you choose the path of law? Why, why did you know so early that you wanted to be a lawyer? I, you know, I guess uh, I didn't really, again, I didn't really think about what I was just trying to get through high school, get through college mm-hmm. and wasn't, you know, what I could do well in in school and not thinking so much about careers. Maybe I should have mm-hmm. during that time. And mm-hmm. uh, I not didn't know a lot of lawyers didn't uh, in high school and growing up. I knew mm-hmm. my, my parents' divorce lawyer, I guess I had wow. met and wow. uh, a few people in the, in the community. But I always liked government, political science and issues mm-hmm. like even as a kid, even as a young kid. And so mm-hmm. I did an internship for Congressman mm-hmm. Clay, uh, who was a, mm-hmm. the chairman of the Congressional Black Caucus uh, in the mm-hmm. Hill when I was in college. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the folks that I met were lawyers. I didn't really know them. I just knew they were doing interesting things. Right. They had a law degree. And so I, when I went back to college, I kind of decided, oh, I'm going to you know, go to law school. And mm-hmm. so I took one of those LSAT courses over the summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, talked to more people, talked to some of my professors in, in college, and, and really decided at that point that uh, I would go to law school. Or at least look, right. try to get to law school. <laughs> right. And, nice, uh, nice. So, right, so, so you just dropped the bomb, though. You said your parents divorce lawyer. I, it's <laughs> funny because I was just posting a clip about stereotypes of lawyers growing up. Did that experience yeah. with your parents and the divorce lawyer, did that turn you off from the law at any bit? Like, was that like a difficult process? It wasn't, you know, I was so young, you know, I was young yeah. when it happened and, and, you know, other relatives, you know, had lawyers and experiences mm-hmm. similar. And uh, I saw that clip and I thought about that, yeah. that yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and, I, and it reminded me of actually a discussion I had with my uncle. Mm-hmm. He really, as I said, he really said, you know, you should major in economics. You should, you know, mm-hmm. you should do economics. And I didn't even want to tell him that I wasn't. I, uh, so I was like a year or so into college. And I said, I'm not going to do economics. I'm going to do political science. And he said, mm-hmm. the only thing you can do to that, do with that is go to law school. Mm-hmm. And the only thing you, and you can become a lawyer. And he says, you're not a good enough liar to be a lawyer. Wow. It's how he put it. <laughs> and I said, I'll show him. I'll you know, prove that I'm, <laughs> I'm a really lie. good liar. <laughs> I'm going to work I'm on gonna my life. I'm going to be oh a good liar. God. But that was a little bit of the impression of lawyers mm-hmm. is that they were a lot of spin. Yeah. And, you know, a little bit of a trust issue, I think, in right. the community. But once I decided to do it, my family, both came parents, really, yeah. came together and kind of got behind it. But nice. um, that was, you know, supportive. But it is that sort of trust that, mm-hmm. you know, you don't really, you deal with lawyers in some of the negative circumstances. Uh, yeah. So you may have this negative impression. 
Yeah. But at the same time, like I said, once I decided to do it, they were very, everybody was supportive. They introduced me to other lawyers. We had, you mm-hmm. know, some friends in the family who were uh, lawyers, but nice. again, is that there is always like that, like that clip you pick, there is your place you, you put mm-hmm. on that negative impression a little bit. Right. Of, but of once lawyers. they saw you walking in that field now, they're like, oh, it's not that bad. Like, well, like you change the perception. A little bit, I think, you know, uh, <laughs> for some folks. Uh, right. My, you know, my grandmother would would say, you know, I, that, you know, you think you know everything because you're a lawyer now. She would joke with me mm-hmm. like that and stuff like that mm-hmm. with uh, relatives. But I think they were, you know, proud of the fact that I did go to law school and, yeah. you know, kind of got behind, you know, they definitely got behind it. So nice. they were supportive. Nice. So you went uh, to the University of Virginia School of Law. Ex- yeah. 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 And you went in the eighties, right? Nineteen yep. I was there from nineteen eighty five to nineteen eighty eight. So it's it's kind of fresh in my mind because we just had mm. our uh law school reunion. Hard to believe. It was thirty five mm, nice. years ago. But uh we went back for the reunion this year. That's awesome. How how was going to law school in the eighties? What was law school in the eighties like? Law school in the eighties, you know, to some degree it's similar to some ways to now. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some, some of what we're experiencing, it was a conservative time in mm-hmm. the country. Reagan was president. Virginia, mm-hmm. in particular, was very uh, focused on law and economics. It was a very conservative mm-hmm. law school, but at the yeah. same time, there was a little there was collegiality, especially among the black students. You know, we were, mm-hmm. I think, very uh, supportive of one another and and yeah. close, and still are. And we actually had a little mini reunion. Of some of the black the students reunion. within the reunion, uh, the Friday before yeah. the reunion, so it was good to see some some folks. But uh, you know, it was definitely some. Uh, I think we were proud to be there, felt that we belonged. Yeah. Not everybody necessarily agreed with that uh, in yeah. terms of the professors and everything, but uh, I think we felt we belonged. It's really folks. If you look at their careers, you know, done great things yeah. coming out of the law school, and I think it started with that. You know, we were determined to do well and and and, and stick together. And uh, we there were some protests or things that we were, like I said, similar to now, in that we were protesting for uh, the more diversity in the faculty, more mm-hmm. black faculty, uh, diversity in the law review. Because mm-hmm. at that point, when I got there in '85, there had never been a black student on law review, uh, and. and this was 85. It only been like maybe 15 years that there'd been any significant number of, of black students. Wow. So to get more diversity in, in the school in the, within the, the journals was an issue mm-hmm. in faculty. And this was a time, I, I don't know, people talk about it very much when there were student protests against South Africa, apartheid in South Africa. Mm-hmm. There was Nelson Mandela was in prison and American corporations and schools had invested in uh, South companies that had factories and other investments mm-hmm. in South Africa. So the protests were for the schools to divest from South mm-hmm. Africa to put pressure on the regime because the right. blacks were a majority in South Africa, but they were uh, not allowed to vote. They were segregated. Yeah. It was a very harsh system. And, and these so we schools had a, were actively investing in yeah. the apartheid, in the oppression of the apartheid regime. Oh, yeah, the the wow. idea was that by engaging in South Africa it would force them to change. That was the defense the corporations had. But what? the other pressure was that we sh- they should divest, 
yeah. and isolate the regime to eventually change, which is what what happened. The, the government, mm-hmm. uh, you know, st- failed, stopped recognizing the South African government and put more and more pressure. So we were involved in uh, wow. me and, and many others. It was a big issue, even when I was in college and in law school to protest. Mm-hmm. I remember one of the things we did was South Africa had these uh, sort of townships that were considered ghettos and they had what they mm. called shanties so we built mm. like a shanty town on the lawn at uva um group of students to protest and we spent the night we camped out there and wow. you know there were more aggressive protests and things like that but that was you know one of the issues and then eventually uh there was worldwide pressure yeah. mandela was released and you know, wow. he was eventually became president of South Africa, and, and there's still changes. But those were some of the issues that we were protesting. Wow. So that's why I say it was similar uh, yeah. to, to, to now. And then you had to instances. take a contracts final the next week. Yeah, the contracts final, <laughs> to right? The chat and go right back to class. <laughs> go, go back to, to class, group. study group. Well, go Jeez. go back to class and, right. and study. But, um, you know, it's, like you say, people in the 60s, 70s, there's always yeah. issues, you know, and, and through the 90s. Yeah. Uh, to protest yeah. and you see the Black Lives Matter protests now right. and things like, you know, I know you guys were doing it at UDC and other schools. Mm-hmm. I think back to those, those times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah Cause so. I, be, once you're in the moment when you're in it, you never think about like what the previous generations had to go through. Obviously yeah. we learn about it different things like that. But when George Floyd happened and Breonna Taylor happened, you're like, this is crazy that we're, we're dealing with this while we're actively in law school and yeah. Trump is going on all these different things that we're learning about <laughs> constitutional law while, right. while Trump is actively breaking the law. It was crazy. <laughs> but like hearing your story is like every generation had to deal with fighting injustice right. in their real lives and then having to go to class um, and learn it in their law school lives too. Right. So the fact and, you know, to see a part is crazy. We felt that we were also fortunate in a degree because, you know, my, my parents, my, well, my mom, you know, mm-hmm. grew up in Lynchburg, Virginia, you know, it was segregated mm-hmm. and yeah. I went to segregated schools and they mm-hmm. did well. I mean, they were very proud of the schools that they went to in yeah. the community. And that you see that in a lot of black communities. But UVA was not admitting black students in the 50s with any large number. In the mm-hmm. 60s, actually, it was a classmate of my mother from high school that was the first uh, black woman to go to the medical school at UVA wow. uh, in the in the 60s. So we felt that we were having this opportunity that, you know, others yeah. didn't have. But at the same time, there's always a challenge. It's like there's challenges mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. that um, that your generation, our, you know, we still are, are dealing with uh, yeah. and coming back. And, you know, people in this, you know, obviously in the 60s protested and, and then went to jail and, and different mm-hmm. things and then had to mm-hmm. go back to class and, yeah. and do different things. So it's, it's <laughs> It's, it's a continuing challenge, but, you know, hopefully you see some improvement. Yeah. No, it, it builds on top of each other. Right. It definitely builds right. on top of each other. The, the work that you guys put in and what you, what you had to fight for, the students at UVA, they may not have had to fight the fight that you fought, but there's still things that they're fighting for and they're yeah. building on. I mean, I can't imagine going to UVA during the Unite the Right rally in Charles, you know, mm. that it's 2017 when there's a protest over the, they removed the Lee statue and then the... Uh, white supremacists came in and they killed. Yeah, the tiki torture. Tiki, tiki torture. Yeah, the tiki torch yeah. march was yeah. in Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you know their struggle is you know going through that and also right. you know yeah. trying to get through law school. Uh, Man, it, it's you know a continuing challenge. But wow. your original yeah. question, it was a. 
I think a challenging time, but I, we, mm-hmm. I met really good friends, you know, really good yeah. people that it was good to see, <laughs> although mm-hmm. it's hard to believe it was 35 years ago, but yeah, it was good to see, you know, we lost some, some of the classmates. Man. So, uh, yeah. was, uh, some of that was a little bittersweet, uh, mm-hmm. you know, passed man. away. Uh, one good friend passed away last year. So it was kind of good to see folks and, and uh, back with that. That's awesome. Um, So you, you you finished law school at the bar exam. Uh, Right. Where did you took the bar in Virginia? Did the Virginia bar? I took Pennsylvania bar actually. Waved in DC. Yeah. Mm, Okay. Uh, Give a bar exam horror story. Did anything (laughs) go wrong while studying, while on the exam? Anything went wrong? Well, you know, I had a, a I, I, I was in Charlottesville for the summer studying for the bar, mm-hmm. and uh, I had a public interest job, you know, at the Federal mm-hmm. Election Commission. Most okay. everyone else at lost that was uh, graduating that was there that summer had uh, jobs in, in law firms, and the law firms would give them money for the summer, stipend, and whatnot. And mm-hmm. uh, I didn't wasn't have didn't have that. But I wanted to focus on studying the bar. And so I went to mm-hmm. the – so I didn't have any – I needed money. <laughs> and yeah. so I went to the the development office or admissions office. I don't remember. One of the career placement offices. And we talked about what they could do for public interest people in that position. Mm-hmm. And I was the first recipient of what they call the public interest loan that UVA had given. And they nice. basically loaned you money to help with your student loans. And I convinced them to start those loans that summer Mm -hmm. so I would be able to not have to work and study for the bar. Right, And and then that helped later on with loans because Mm -hmm. of the public interest position. And now that program has really grown. Awesome. Uh, So a lot of uh, students take advantage of that uh, public interest uh, positions. But... So it, that was sort of the first crisis, was just kind of getting right. through that summer. Oh, that hurdle. Yeah, with that hurdle. <laughs> and uh, the law school, you know, they, they did step in and they started, awesome. started I think, a, a process of supporting public mm-hmm. interest uh, people who are, you know, on that career track. And yeah. uh, that helped, helped that initial crisis over the summer. And then once, that, you know, studying for the bar isn't easy. You know, it's mm-hmm. it, obviously it's a challenge for, for everyone you know, I know. And the best advice is just if you can figure out at least three weeks a month where you can just focus. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, I think, a little different than studying in law school because it's just practice taking the exams, mm-hmm. questions, You're figuring out what you did wrong, learning how to yeah. take the exam mm-hmm. and getting through, figuring out really what you got wrong and mm-hmm. why you got it wrong you know, going into to that exam and to the extent, and it's yeah. really hard. I know for people that work, people, you know, other public interest jobs don't have jobs at all to yeah. carve out that amount of time. So, right. you know, you can't just tell your family that, you know, shut down and not have issues <laughs> right. or, you know, right. not have, you know, work issues and things like that. And like I said, you know, job issues uh, that, that come up, but if yeah. you can fo- constantly, that period of time to focus, that helps. And that's what I, that was sort of the first horror stories. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I was going to be able to do that. And yeah. they were able to, to, to help. And it's been good to see that program expand. No, that's real. And that, that's the, probably the most insightful bar exam horror story on the podcast so far, because that's, that's so true. The, the hurdles you have to jump over to even 
carve out the time to take the exam. I know a couple of people who asked their job for like leave yeah. to take the exam to, to, to study and the job said no. Yeah. So they yeah. had to wait yeah. until like a, like for the next year for February to like carve out a certain amount of time. I mean, it's hard if you can build up the leave or, uh, you know, take a leave of absence. And, you know, all of those things are hard. You're losing money. You're losing money. And uh, I really admire people that are able to do it Mm -hmm. while, you know, uh, teaching in the evening program at UDC, the folks that are working and and also trying to study for the bar and going to law school. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a lot. And a lot of employers, you know, don't understand. So probably the best advice is to know, you know, when you're your first year of law school and you're thinking three or four years in advance, how am I going to strategically carve out that time? If you can, now stuff can happen. You know, you have, Mm -hmm. you know, like I said, issues in your family, issues in your job that, that make it hard. Um, But if you know going in that that's going to, you need that time. And I think that's what plan plan it, if you can, to the extent that you can plan ahead. I didn't plan ahead necessarily, but I, <laughs> once it happened, you know, I just kind of parked myself in the offices and said, mm-hmm. you know, we need to, you need to help folks in this position if the school mm-hmm. can. And uh, so they were, they were able to, and you know, again, family helped. And uh, Charlottesville, yeah. Charlottesville is a little cheaper than being in, you know, DC mm-hmm. or New York or something like that. So. Yeah. And shout shout to you, DC Law. I would not have been able to, to pass exam without, because they gave me a stipend. Yeah. Take off of work, so I know that's a blessing in and of itself. Right. And that wasn't well. common, yeah, you know, in there. the '80s. Right. That wasn't. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm glad to see UDC do that, and of people strategically start thinking about that a little bit yeah. early. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do want to go back to your your 35 year reunion. I have one question about that. What was the main thing that you guys like remembered from law school? Like, what was the thing that you guys reminisced the most about in law school? Well, we, we talked about, you know, a friend, uh, uh, you know, hanging out with him, missing, missing him, mm-hmm. reminisced about him. His yeah. name was Kent Needland. And yeah, uh, Kent was, was yeah. a celebrity in law school. Mm. And he was on the uh, Final Four basketball team at UVA. Oh, nice. And it played for the Indiana Pacers. And mm. then he came back to law school. And wow, then he became a cool. sports agent. And so he was really nice, just wow. a great guy and very modest. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, hanging out with us, you know, just regular football guys, you know. And he's bouncing around playing intramural ball. And he played in the NBA. Right, you know, he's hanging, right, he, played, <laughs> he was a little bit before that, but he played, you know, oh, right. in that time. And then he, yeah. and, uh, you know, he's hanging out with us. And so losing yeah. him, we, t- we talked about Man. just uh, kind of the, the times hanging out with him. But we also talked some about the some of the uh, – protests and things that we mm. did there was a particular professor that mm. actually came up that uh, i won't name but he would go out of his way to say sort of racially provocative things in class mm. he would describe i don't know, remember that uh, dc case with i think it's williams versus walker uh it's a case in contracts where the woman buys from a appliance store several appliances on credit mm. She pays them off, but falls behind on like a refrigerator, the last item. Mm -hmm. And then the store is able to repossess everything that she ever bought from them, including Mm -hmm. things she'd earlier paid off. And the D.C. Circuit uh, ruled that that was an unconscionable contract Mm -hmm. and and that even though she signed it, it, she shouldn't have been put in that coercive position. And in class, he would kind of go out of his way to uh, provoke people by saying that she was black and she wasn't smart. And if these terms weren't allowed, no one would even do business in these areas in D.C. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, he would say, Y'all are sitting in class? He yeah, saying yeah, this while y'all yeah, sitting say, in class? Yeah, yeah, he would say this in class. And so there were by black students and, and, and white students. It was, a, mm-hmm. it was news media, a little bit of news. You know, it was no social media back then. But right, we, right. we reminisce a little bit about uh, kind of how folks handle that. And, and yeah. the our allies, they kind of worked to, to, to deal, yeah, yeah. deal with that. And uh, we used to actually, the older students would warn us mm. that um, he would do that in, in class. Wow. And they'd say, you know, this is going to come up. And, uh, you know, so we were sort of ready, but, you know, still not, it was, it, it was, yeah. it was uh, interesting. So we, we, we reminisced a little bit, yeah. uh, you know, talked about some of those issues and, and some of the changes in the school, like, mm-hmm. you know, um, when we were there, Jefferson statue was in front of the law school, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you go in, you, he was there. Now they've kind of moved him to the side so, a little yeah. bit. So <laughs> shifted. he's still there. He's still a big part yeah. of the university, uh, part of the, the history and obviously but they've contextualized them some but mm. uh so we you know we talked a little bit about that some of the just physical changes in the law school right. but um you know we reminisced about the parties you know and the, the, the <laughs> fun times that that we you know we had in in, in law school and uh so it was it was good it's good to, like i said good to see people so we yeah. talked about some of the protests and some of the 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 issues but also some of the people that were there mm-hmm. either passed on who couldn't make it and just yeah. some of the hanging out with, with them. And then also yeah. uh, just, just some of the differences, you know, from when we were right. in law school. So it was, yeah. it, I don't, it was, uh, it was a good time overall. It was a good yeah. time, particularly as I That's said, the, yeah. reconnecting with folks. I find it interesting because going into law school, you're just so focused on like doing well. And you hear the advice about like, first semester is the most important semester and all these different things. And it's interesting because you guys didn't talk about reminisce on like the contracts or, or land grants or cases, stuff like that. You reminisced on like relationships. Right. And the right. fact that you were able to build relationships in law school, I think it's important for people to hear that because it feels like you, you don't want to isolate yourself in law school. Right. While you should be focusing on the work, you are going to depend on these people some of them for the rest of your lives and, and yeah. you want to be able to network and rely on people in your career. And I'm sure you could attest to being friends with people who you can call on now that you oh, in law school. Oh, definitely. If, I don't know if you remember yeah. in uh, the mm-hmm. mock trial class, mm-hmm. we had Judge Taylor, Judge Eric Taylor speak yeah. to the class. Yeah. You had a couple and, people come uh, back. Yeah. A couple of people that I knew from yeah. law school and, and work. And, he, you know, he was at the reunion and, uh, you know, he's mm-hmm. someone I've been friends with since day one, day Mm-hmm. Minus one in law school, you right, know, right, we, right. We they had a uh, a two or three day program for minority black students to kind of acclimate us to law school, uh, mm-hmm. and he was there, and uh, we got to know each other. You know, like I said, yeah. that was even before law school started. And uh, folks that uh, we started there was uh, was Lisa Edwards, who's a classmate who works mm-hmm. at the FCC now. You know, and wow. we reconnected. Uh, at the reunion, and uh, like I said, talked about you know folks that passed on, but it was uh, yeah, it is the people and the the relationships important. Mm-hmm. And I think you know honestly, I think UDC really does emphasize that. I, I like the yeah. way the students I think interact and support each other, you mm-hmm. know, in class and on, you know on this podcast and things like that. Because yeah. you know, as we if we talk more about you know my how I found out about different jobs, it was a lot of it was through connections through people yeah. just you know, helping you out. And a lot of times you think about mentors, you think, you know, your professor, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. think about, you know, your, 
supervisors and jobs and judges if you happen to clerk, but it's also your colleagues that uh, yeah. can be very helpful. You know? Yeah. And I was at my job today and there was three UDC law interns and they, they were, I was talking to all three of them and they're pretty close and I, and I pointed that out to them. I was like, I think it's pretty dope that you guys are this close already. They were right. going into their one year and I Good. expressed the, the importance of like having that click, having that, that close friends because those are people you're going to rely on. And yeah. there's people in law school that I rely on to this day. So I right. don't know the importance of that. That's yeah. good. So um, pass the bar, you leave law school. What's your first job out of law school? I worked at the Federal Election Commission at the FCC, nice. which regulates mm. federal campaigns. I was in the enforcement group. Mm. So we did investigations of campaign violations. The allegation would be filed and we would uh, review the allegations and then send out interrogations basically uh questions to the campaign about mm. the violations so it was uh the, the fec at the time federal mm. election commission so what were some cases that gave that gave merit because i feel like a lot of people could just file a bunch of complaints about campaigns like, i feel like the yeah. person would like what gave a complaint actual merit like i'm gonna investigate well this. they have documentation uh and then you know mm-hmm. the fcc the FEC is an interesting place because it's typically three Republican and three Democratic commissioners. So it's six hmm. and six. And okay. so you have to get the commissioners, at least then I think you still do, you have to get the commissioners to vote on your investigations. They have to hmm. approve your questions. They have to approve uh, the different things that you're, you're going to do hmm. in the case. So it really has to be a a pretty strong allegation to get right. at least the initial votes to look into it. So if they have documentation, they have bank records, other records to to support it. Um, if it's usually if it's from another campaign, uh, sometimes that would be way, you know, they're biased. But if they have the background right. the issue, right. and the types of violations you see is, uh, say, you work for a company and there's a thousand dollar limit per. Um, person at least i think it's maybe more now but then it was 1000 that you could contribute to a campaign and so to get around that they would say i'm the president of the company i'll give you a two thousand dollar bonus you did a good job and say it's a a construction company or a law firm you know a law firm Mm -hmm. it's a great year i'm gonna give you a two thousand dollar bonus but you got to give one thousand to this particular campaign and Mm -hmm. so now this person instead of giving one thousand they're giving the money to their employees to pass and through giving, another ten thousand, wow. another five thousand, and the employees will do it because they're going to get you know a thousand dollars, the other half, yeah, yeah. other half, you know, and the numbers could be higher, or That's you know crazy. whatever. Yeah, no, and so if the, one of the employees decides to blow the whistle, or you, you look at an unusual number of uh, contributions from a particular company, a particular hmm. business, then that would you know, lead to an investigation. And they could say, well, we all happen to be Democrats or all happen to be Republicans. Mm-hmm. We all happen to like this uh, particular mm-hmm. uh, candidacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are all, you know, those are the types of issues that we would look at. Those types of campaign violations. And then you would have to gather your, you know, whatever proof you had, or whether your suspicions you had mm-hmm. to convince the commission to at least allow you to take depositions and then you mm. go, you know, question the folks under oath. And that was, you know, a good mm. experience, you know, because within yeah. a year I was taking depositions of people working on the, you know, uh, this was the first George Bush, this is 88, wow. 89, who yeah. were 
contributing allegedly violating campaign contribution rules in mm-hmm. you know presidential campaigns. I was one year out of law school, That's crazy. and uh, <laughs> so it was it was interesting. And initially, these all of these investigations under seal because if it's leaked and there no violation doesn't have any merit, then it could negatively mm-hmm. affect unreasonably you know, right. reasonably someone's campaign. So it right. was under seal. And I recently looked, and a lot of these now are archived. You know, you can look up these old files. Uh, it's public record now. Wow. Public records now. I was looking at some mm. of these depositions, and I was like, oh, I did a pretty good job. And then the other hand, I was like, <laughs> He's really yeah, I was really out of law school here. <laughs> So I'm proud kinda, of myself. That was pretty nice. That was a good question. That's a pretty good question. Good job, Other Pete. questions, I was like, ah, I don't know. That was a little rough. <laughs> I hope my mock trial students don't look up <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> these depositions. Yeah, but it was, yeah. you know, it was, it was, yeah. I think I did like a handful of depositions. So it was good. It was, uh, good. and then appearing yeah. in front of the commission because you had, there was a little bit of advocacy yeah. of convincing them that you had the, uh, the evidence to go forward right. in your investigation. And I was sometimes ask, was that looking, the lawyering side of it? It felt like what, what, what side of it was the lawyering? Did you feel well, like you, you had to write, you had to do a lot of writing. You had to write a report as to your mm-hmm. findings. And then mm-hmm. you had to draft the questions, which are like interrogatories that you would do okay. in civil litigation and document mm-hmm. requests. There was the advocacy again with the, to the commission and applying the right. law. You had to analyze whether or not there was a violation of the mm-hmm. law. So it was sort of like, what's the issue? What's the statute? And what, you know, what mm-hmm. facts you have? And then are, is there reason to believe there potentially could be a violation? You also would look at uh, precedent within the uh, commission, other similar mm-hmm. violations. And then you would, they would have these hearing days and you would go with the general counsel and the staff mm-hmm. attorney would sit and he would generally make the sort of opening presentation and you would have sort of worked on the script. And then yeah. if they had more detailed questions, you would respond to that. And then mm-hmm. they would vote and, and then you would authorize you to issue the subpoena or not. You know, they might mm-hmm. say you don't have enough or we may decide even before that there wasn't enough. Cause like you say, you can get a lot of frivolous complaints that right, right. looked at. And uh, there was a lot of review, obviously, even though the depositions you were kind of, uh, you know, you would have a supervisor with you and, and mm-hmm. working with you and they would look at your questions beforehand and, and things like okay. that. But um, so that mm-hmm. was that th- those ex- you know experiences were good. But I still I wanted to do I kind of drifted from law school where I was sort of interested more politically and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe working on the Hill and things like that to when I mm-hmm. got to law school, I got more interested in litigation. I did mm-hmm. an internship. The U.S. Attorney's Office, actually, after yeah. my first year in the Civil Division here, in, nice. and uh, and then in a litigation firm, law firm in Baltimore, after my second year, and mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I got more interested. I did moot court and took trial advocacy in mm-hmm. law school, so I got more interested in in trial advocacy. I was and working at the Department of Justice, so mm-hmm. that was what kind of led me to look to leave the FEC. Man, that's amazing. I, I did want to ask. With all that went on in law school, with your professors being racist and all these things going well, on in in well, not all of them, I know, but that no, one. no, no, Making, most of them right. were very right, right. Let me right, just say, most one. of them were very, most of them were. <laughs> one thing I'll say about UVA law professors, yeah, is obviously they weren't all racist, and they right, weren't yeah, all they were, they were. you know that kind of. But they were good teachers, even if I didn't mm-hmm. agree with them, mm-hmm. uh, for, you know, the law and economics type thing. Uh, mm-hmm in the conservative bent, but they, they really, a lot of places 
they just emphasize the writing and the scholarship and they view teaching yeah. as kind of like a sidelight. But I thought mm-hmm, most mm-hmm. of our professors really took the teaching aspect um, as something important. And, mm-hmm. and they were they were good and entertaining in some degree in terms <laughs> of the, the teaching. Yeah. And so that, you know, that was a, a, a positive aspect, I think, of, right. of the law school. There were, there were, there were some good and we also you know as i, I emphasize the law and economics there they had but we had one of the first critical legal study professors mm. guy, gary peller who's a professor nice. at georgetown now so mm-hmm. we, they, they did have some more progressive more liberal right. uh professors at, this, at at that time as well but yeah but go to your question with, i'm sorry yeah. <laughs> you know with it not and that's just a good clarification i would say with everything going on in, in society how are you able to maintain your own mental health and your own like confidence in yourself and your abilities as an attorney? Cause I feel like even you're going through all these, these different racially charged um, experiences in throughout life. And you just some, sometimes think less of yourself because the people around you or people in society are looking down on you. Like how did you maintain your confidence to still do all these great internships and then go to the FEC and kill it in that space? Like, well, I don't know if I killed it there, life? but at least I did something, <laughs> but, um, it, I think the the key thing again was the support of the classmates mm-hmm. and friends, yeah, you know, family, yeah, you know, support there. And I remember uh, in law school, I like you say it was very. In, everyone experiences this probably you're very confusing, sort of jumbled time. You're, you're like these new concepts, different way of learning, mm-hmm. different way mm-hmm. of teaching. Uh, you know, you can feel isolated. Yeah. And I did. We had to do this first year oral argument you know where we did like a, a moot court kind of thing where we argued our, mm-hmm. our brief that we wrote the first year and uh, the professors were the, the judges mm-hmm. and uh you know you're like i said you're very confused grades you're getting you're not used to and you know it's mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. it's challenging this was like april it's like toward the end of my first year and okay. we do this oral argument uh and i don't even i don't remember anything about the case i just remember arguing against one of my classmates and we argue the brief like here in the court of appeals like moot court and the professor said that was pretty good and i remember mm-hmm. thinking what <laughs> something positive <laughs> for me you're talking to me <laughs> and uh and it, that one little thing because you know mm-hmm. still confused and sort of mixed up yeah, it was yeah. like oh you know maybe i can do this right right I and you kind of hold on, you, you kind of mm-hmm. held on to that you have to hold on yeah. to <laughs> Now one the, time, one time, man. somebody said something you know positive, and you kind of I can do this. Yeah. And uh, then the summer internship in the U.S. Attorney's Office, where you kind of seeing lawyers really you know mm-hmm. practicing and applying some of the concepts that you learned in class mm. uh, in in the courtroom and observing, you know, also kind of at least made it more interesting. Like, yeah, maybe I can do this. You yeah, know? so sort of you know a, a more positive no, experience, but. I feel like a lot of, yeah, that's good. I feel like a lot of law students go through that. That's such a great point. It's like, you're taking so many L's back to back and then you, you hit a moment where like you get confirmation either on an internship or like you said, moot court or from a professor and they say something or something happens. They wait, I'm, I'm actually good at this. Mine was, I was, yeah, fresh into law school. Didn't know what was going on. It was very much like a culture shock. I was like, this is horrible. And I get like my, it was my legal writing class and I get like my first paper back, like a first official paper. Before that, it was like, my my professor used to write in purple. So it was purple all over my stuff. Right. Fix this, fix that. And I get like my first official paper back 
and I get a good grade. And she tells me like, Yo, you're actually a very good legal writer. And then my TA, who's now my wife, was like, oh, wow. also like, yeah, you're, you're actually. A, you must a have been really impressive. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm like, no, for real. Yeah. She was like, yeah, you're actually a very good legal writer. I was like, what? Like, I don't even know. Like, because because they teach you a whole new way of writing. Right. I was like, there's no way I'm good at this because I just started. Right. <laughs> I really right. just learned how to write this way. So right. once I got that some confirmation early, I was like, man, I might be, I might be in the right space. This, right. this might be right. what I'm supposed to do. So that's right. that's a good part. I think every lawsuit yeah. can think back on like, when was the first moment you got some confirmation right. that you're in, right. you're, you're you're on the right path. So that's yeah. good. That's really that was that was the, that was one that was the moment. But the support, yeah, I think uh, you know, kind of the, the this this competition, and in, in law school, obviously, but the the support that you know everybody's kind of going through this mm-hmm. is is, yeah. is helpful. Yeah, the, the struggle stories. I, yeah. I, I always say like the, the thing that brought brings law students together is complaining. Like that's how you make your friends. All you gotta yeah. do is complain. Complain yeah. about this man. That that final. I can't believe she left that part out. I can't believe she added that thing. We never studied that at all. Like just complain, yeah. and then you just bring it together because you guys are all going through the same going thing. Through the same thing, right? Yeah. right. Um, so you also worked at the at the DOJ. That was right. a big part of your that was career. What did you do? Twenty. I was at DOJ for twenty seven years. Uh, initially. The tax division, Department of Justice, and I had no—I mm-hmm. had taken federal income tax okay, in, yeah. in law school, but mm-hmm. no other tax classes. Had no real thought of uh, tax law. But you know, mm-hmm. your point about kind of connections and, and, and meeting yeah. folks is—I was on the subway as mm-hmm. a deaf EC on the subway, and a friend of mine, a guy who graduated a couple of years ahead of me, uh, Carl mm-hmm. Carter, and mm-hmm. he was had his. This suitcase and he was going to national I was like what are you doing it's like well i'm working the tax division now I work at doj and i'm going to take mm-hmm. a deposition or trial or something mm-hmm. in, in memphis in tennessee mm-hmm. and I'm like wow that's interesting doing trials and he said <laughs> you should apply and i'm like i didn't take tax and he had he had some tax background he was i think he was a cpa mm-hmm. and i'm like no nah, i'm really gonna do that he said no you, you should apply and i uh, followed up with him and and i applied and the way the tax division has worked is, I think you did an internship, right? The tax yeah, division. Yep. I was in the civil side and it's broken into regions. And so mm-hmm. I got interviews with the different civil regions, the civil mm-hmm. practice. And it's a really, a, was a great job. Uh, and I was fortunate that I think having done the depositions at the FEC really helped and having that experience yeah. um, because that's what they're looking for. They're kind of looking not that you've done a lot of trials, you've only been out of law school a year or two, right. but you've done something, you know, you've done mm-hmm. something that you can kind of build on at, yeah. at DOJ. But just his, that connection and right. uh, to was able door. to interview. Yeah. And uh, I was fortunate they were hiring a lot of new people during mm-hmm. that, that time. A lot of us were relatively new out of law school and we just wanted to do trials. You know, we mm-hmm. wanted to do as much trial experience as we could. And we were very, it was just a good time. We had a lot of, like I said, folks, similar periods in their career, still some of my best friends, mm. you know, that I had in the tax division. And I was in the northern region, uh, which covered the northeast, covered like New York to Maine and out mm-hmm. to, to Illinois. And the reason that the tax division is in D.C. covering all the different parts of the country is mm-hmm. that so everybody in the country, the law is applied uh, equally rather yep. than sort of regional bias. So mm-hmm. so it meant a lot of travel. You're always kind of the visiting mm-hmm. team when you're in court and you're <laughs> representing the, you know, the IRS. But mm-hmm. um, it was a litigation 
challenge and uh, mm-hmm. and and interesting. And then I kind of got to know more of the tax law. I think right. I know don't consider myself a tax expert right, either right, then right. or at the time, but you learn the, the unique issues in the cases. We had mm-hmm. really good supervisors um, that were really you know supportive. Yeah. And uh, work with some some good folks uh, yeah. in the office. And I would just, you know, I'd volunteer to work on trials. And if mm-hmm. I knew someone needed help, I would, you know, oh, I'll you know, be a second chair. And they'd mm-hmm. say, oh, it's, it's a loser. We're going to lose. I'm like, oh, well, you know, we'll get the experience. Okay. Yeah, I don't okay. care. I'm I'm coming. And, you know, we didn't, <laughs> yes. we, we would go out, you know, we didn't lose them all. We won most of them, but mm-hmm. um, learned a lot. Worked with some really good, you know, trial attorneys, you know, talked about how to mm-hmm do cross-examinations, how to um, mm. sort of have, you know, build your case, how to prepare. And uh, so it was, it was, I was there for yeah. four years, a little over four years. And my region was uh, New York and uh, Connecticut. And then I had awesome. cases in, later in Michigan. Awesome. And so. I, I, I think the most important thing you said there is like you applied. Even though you didn't know right. <laughs> much about it, you actually went ahead and applied. The, the same DOJ, ta- I was in a criminal division for my internship, the, right. the tax division. Right. And that was a DOJ um, yeah, summer internship program. And the year before I applied and got in, I talked myself out of applying. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I was good enough. Like I, That was mm-hmm. really it. Like I made some excuses. I started the application. And I was like, I don't have the grades. I talked myself out of applying and I didn't even apply. The next year, I was like, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to apply. If hey. they say no, they say no. I applied and I got in. And that oh, was probably one of the best experiences. And like you said, I didn't need, I didn't need to know a lot about tax. It was like the like the, they use like three of the tax code that they prosecute all the cases on. Right. And right. you just you just you're just litigating. You, just you don't litigating. need to be a tax expert, you're just applying the law to the facts. Yeah. And it was a, it was an amazing experience, and I would not have been able to experience that if I didn't apply. If right. you were like, "Oh, I don't know anything about tax. I'm not even going to apply," you made the connection. Right. He got yeah. you the he got you to the door. Right. All you have to do is just walk in. Right. So I think yeah, and I had applied for yeah. other mm-hmm. DOJ positions. I'd applied for the honors program, not selected. Yeah. Applied to U.S. Attorney's yeah. Office, not selected. You mm-hmm. know, and so you just have to be the persistence you know some people yeah. don't, you know if you're if you're a law review at harvard or whatever mm-hmm. you don't you're gonna probably get yeah. some opportunities but yeah. others of us you know you're gonna have to apply and and, and mm-hmm. take those opportunities and doj uh you know not everybody wants to work for doj first you yeah. got to decide yeah. you want to work there and if you do there are a lot of different types of jobs and yep. there's an honors program that hires out of law school out of clerkships that's yep. a great program but they don't hire that many people and it, DOJ mm-hmm. needs a lot of attorneys. And so you have to look at USA jobs and look at individual positions, use the contacts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and don't just take if you don't get selected the first time or the second time mm-hmm. uh, to mean that you can't and, you know, get in if that's your goal. Right. And uh, they look, like I said, the, the experience that you build in the jobs that you're in now and the things that you're doing now, yep. even if it's not, you know, full-blown trial. If say you're in a law mm-hmm. firm and you're not a partner or anything, you're not going to necessarily get to do a trial. Yeah. But if you do, can do a deposition or if you can do some pro bono cases uh, yeah. that other people don't want to do, you build up that experience. And then when the mm-hmm. opportunity comes, you know, maybe not the first time, the second time, you know, you know hopefully mm-hmm. something will come through. Yeah. And, and you, uh, were, so you were on a hiring committee while you were at DOJ, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, I was at 
Yeah, after the, after the tax division, I went to the U.S. Attorney's mm-hmm. Office, which okay. was kind of full circle where I had been as a uh, intern, yeah. intern, and I came mm-hmm. back to the Civil Division, which is, is a little different than criminal, a lot different than criminal, in that we're mm-hmm. defending federal agencies and civil lawsuits, and then also yeah. bringing affirmative cases, usually fraud cases, on behalf of the government. Mm-hmm. So I, I was an assistant U.S. Attorney and then a deputy uh, chief in the Civil Division. Uh, mm-hmm. for, I guess, 16 years, 18, 18 years, I guess it was, as a supervisor and then four years as a AUSA. So as a supervisor, I interviewed interns, interviewed uh, AUSAs uh, mm-hmm. over the years, different positions. I also uh, did presentations for the honors program, too. Mm-hmm. For the, for the so program. what was the, what was the, 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 applicant you were looking for like what was the criteria that you guys the, that you were looking at you know er, you know they're usually committees they're usually groups of people making decisions mm-hmm. so everybody has a little different i'll, I'll tell you what i look for mm-hmm. and then uh that's not necessarily what everybody looks for you know i can tell you yeah. different things other people <laughs> look for but for me i would look for folks who wrote who good at writing I look at the writing yeah. sample look at uh whether they written, you know, not necessarily on a journal or anything, but written mm-hmm. briefs. Uh, they were comfortable, you know, writing mm-hmm. experiences. And as I said, even though, because it was a litigating office, you know, you have a trial office, even though they maybe not had done a trial, but had you done mock trial, had you done moot court, mm-hmm. have you done something in your position that shows that you have an interest in and litigating? So I look, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would kind of look at five things, basically, I would sort of mm-hmm. write out whether you were good at writing briefs, like court of appeals mm-hmm. brief type briefs, whether you're good at writing sort of smaller letters and motions mm-hmm. quickly, you know, and efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, writing emails is important mm-hmm. um, and things yep. like that, whether you're able to, to do that, whether you're a good oral advocate in a court of appeals type setting mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, arguing a motion and whether you were sort of the fourth thing good at, questioning witnesses and, and doing mm-hmm. cross-examination, direct examination, taking depositions. So it was the sort of formal writing, informal writing, formal oral advocacy, and other sort of trial advocacy. And then the fifth was sort of an intangible, where you committed to public service. You know, are you interested mm-hmm. in really being a public servant? Were you able to handle the stress of trying of working in government where you don't have necessarily as many resources as you might in other places. Mm. So I would kind of look at those five things and, and nobody was ever necessarily perfect. You know, some people mm-hmm. may have more trial experience and more appellate experience, or mm. they were maybe better at uh, writing longer briefs than, than sort mm. of the, sh- the shorter writing, but sort of that combination because we had a lot of training at DOJ, but a lot of times it wasn't when you first start. You have to kind of hit the ground mm-hmm. running. And mm-hmm. uh, so you look for people that that not, maybe had done it before, but would show that potential. And you look at right. the can interview. Be can be right, could be coached up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Look at the mm-hmm. writing. You look at the uh, uh, references. And then, you know, mm-hmm. how they, you know, come off in, in the interview. So for attorneys, that those are the some of the things are looking for similar for interns and students, you know, you're looking, you know, they're not going to necessarily do trial work, but are they committed to public service? Do they have, mm-hmm. you know, an interest in, in, in trial advocacy 
or if I'm interviewing for criminal, you know, in criminal law, criminal procedure, mm-hmm. have they taken evidence? You know, we're in an mm-hmm. office where evidence is, issues are going to come up a lot. So have yeah. they taken those types of uh, classes? So Got you. We're there. Got you. So, and it's interesting, I, I was on Twitter, on law Twitter, and somebody tweeted like, for one, I was going into the two old years, like pl- applying for internships and they have a writing sample. They were asking like, what do these hiring credit committees act? Do they really read the entire writing sample? Like what exactly are they looking for in their writing? Like, so what were you looking for in the writing specifically? Was it punctuation? Was it persuasiveness? Like what specific? Well, you, you know, you, you don't want, you know, you know, mistakes. You don't want sloppiness. You want it to be right. your best mm-hmm. work. But is it clear? Do, do I know? Mm-hmm what the issue is and what the mm-hmm. resolution is and what the, uh, the answer is, is it right, legally correct? You know, sometimes mm-hmm. we hit issues where someone would submit something and you might know the issue or litigated the issue and say, well, I don't know, this isn't right. <laughs> you know? exactly. yeah. So that if, that it's, that it's right, that it's clear. Um, mm-hmm. I like, you know, five to 10 pages is mm-hmm. something that you can read sometimes, but you may not have that if you have the bigger brief, you may not read the whole thing. You're going to read some of it, uh, a good bit of it, mm-hmm. but that it's not sloppy, that it's right, and that it's clear mm-hmm. because you're doing a lot of reading and, and you want it to, to kind of stand out. And and peop- there are mm-hmm. different approaches. Sometimes with me, um, with law students, I might read the writing sample if we have them, you know, before the interview. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. it may come in after you've done the interview, after you've uh, made mm-hmm. sort of rough selections to confirm okay i I like this person good resume good interview Mm -hmm. let me see the writing sample okay that confirms that they can do the job Mm -hmm. sometimes it's more of a gating thing you know i'm going to read the writing samples and then determine whether or not i'm going to interview these people in the first instance you know and there's some people that are you know they really uh will read every line you know they really focus Mm -hmm. on the writing sample and uh almost like and, and mark it up Others, you know, will skim it. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe a little, not skim, but not necessarily write it like I'm it. reviewing it. Yeah, but yeah. I'm looking to make sure that it's clear and understand it and it kind of shows that they can do the job. And then you have to be strategic. It's harder for first year going into second year. Mm-hmm. But in, if you're out of law school or you're yeah. further in law school, what type of writing sample I'm going to use? I'm going to use mm-hmm. something that fits this job, you know, that's, you know, if something on if you have it on an evidentiary issue, if I'm applying to a U.S. attorney's mm-hmm. office mm-hmm. or on a criminal procedure point, I'm going to apply as opposed to something on a securities law, you know, and right. you're applying to a litigation firm. They're going to be like, mm-hmm. ah, you can make them feel yeah. stupid because I'm like, I don't understand <laughs> this. <laughs> yeah. This person is too smart to work for they us. Wanna you enjoy, know? Reading it, yeah. <laughs> I enjoy reading it. Enjoy reading it. So you got to be, you know, a little strategic like a blog post is maybe going to be too casual you know it may mm-hmm. be great but it may not be something that uh someone wants to to read you know? got you yeah so. no th- th- that's good advice and i'm and yeah. for all the law students listening you just got some gems there like put no. some work into your writing samples like. yeah think about it there yeah. are people that really do they people really do read them <laughs> yes yeah now yeah. that's the main point people read them yeah. Yeah. they put different weights on it but they read them yeah um so so going back to your career you're in the FEC, you're doing a U.S. Attorney's Office, DOJ. What was your goal the entire time? Was the goal always U.S. Attorney's Office? Or were you just like, I'm just going to go wherever this is taking me. I'm just going to enjoy the I ride. think it was probably a little bit more of the latter goal where 
it mm-hmm. takes me. I, I mean, I really did want to work in the U.S. Attorney's Office after doing mm-hmm. the internship. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, that that summer again, you know, that first year you're really confused, mm-hmm. and then doing that internship, I really oh, this kind of makes sense. It was mm-hmm. sort of you know an interesting place to work. I yeah. worked with an attorney. Uh, her name she was new to the civil division when I was an intern. Her name was Wilma Lewis, mm-hmm. and uh, she was really you know just a great attorney, very good mentor. And uh, it's funny, Shout this was in '86. Yeah, 86, Mm -hmm. she was a new attorney in the civil division. Mm -hmm. By the time I got to the office in 1995, 96, 97, Mm -hmm. she was the U.S. attorney for D.C. (laughs) So um, it was sort of fortunate I was able to work with her and... uh, Yeah, you know, so, be kind so to people, yeah. You, you never you know. Right? know. Be kind <laughs> yeah, to people. Yeah, she, this so, is crazy. So yeah. it, was, it was good. And then I became a supervisor when she was uh wow. US attorney. So it's crazy. You know, it was good. But during that, you know, that time, always in the back of my mind, thought about working in the US attorney's office mm-hmm. and work with US attorneys when I was in the tax division. Mm-hmm. And so then Eric Holder. Uh, became U.S. Attorney for D.C. He was the first mm. African-American U.S. Yeah. Attorney in D.C. Yeah. And uh, it was a lot of excitement, you know, at that point. Mm-hmm. Was, I guess this was 30 years ago, but there was a lot of excitement. And uh, so then I applied, you know, to the U.S. You know, US Attorney's Office. And I, like I said, I had applied before and, you know, it didn't work out, mm-hmm. but got an interview. And then even once I got the interview, they were like, well, we don't have any positions right now. You have to wait. Mm-hmm. So then I waited several months, and I was fortunate to get to the uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office. And then once there, mm-hmm. um, you know, you think about doing different things, but, you know, there's an, another case, there's another issue mm-hmm. um, that you work on, and then you become a supervisor, and then you're kind of mm-hmm. working on those issues. And uh, so that's, you know, was sort of my, my focus. I don't know yeah. if I had a grand plan, mm-hmm. uh, certainly – and then coming to the FCC was sort of another sort of thing to do that I thought was interesting, a different area yeah. of the law later on in my uh, in my career. But, um, you know, so there's some people that have very definite goals and mm-hmm. uh, some people that don't have any. And then some people are more, <laughs> I'm probably more in the middle right, there. Right, right. But um, definitely the internships Mm-hmm. Uh, at the U.S. Attorney's Office, and I later became the supervisor of the intern program wow. in the Civil Division. And so, cool circle. I think try to have those experiences yeah. at least expose you to different things, and you kind of figure yeah. out, you know, kind of what you want to do from there. Man, that's good. I, it's hard. I mean, I, obviously, being fresh out of law school, I'm very like I, have, I don't have a grand plan, but it's like you're focusing on what what the next move is going to be and what you're right. trying to do next. But I think. Which your I think your approach is the best approach possible. It's just to like be where your feet are and like make maximize where you are, and then the per, your friend of the train is gonna tell you to apply the tax division, and then the <laughs> friend is gonna become the U.S. Attorney's office, and then yeah. it's like you just you, you can't plan that. You can't sit down in two oh yeah and write out that I'm gonna meet my friend of the train and apply the yeah, tax. Yeah, but division. the things that you can do though in yeah. your and, and I don't know if I necessarily did enough of this when I was in law school mm-hmm. is as you say the the. Law school is very front end loaded. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you got to start a sprint, and it's mm-hmm. the first year grades are, are really important. Yeah. And uh, but at the same time, you should use that whole three years, you know, to right. develop skills, look at different things yep. that you're you're interested in, and uh, you know, kind of build from there. So, yeah. you know, I don't know if I took did enough. I did, you know, I guess I did moot court 
took the trial advocacy class. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, there's certainly a lot of other activities that you can do, internships you can do, positions mm-hmm. that you can take to figure out kind of what you're interested in, what you're good mm-hmm. at, what you you, you don't want to do. So you really want to use that that time as productively right. you know, as possible. At the same time, you don't want to overload yourself, mm-hmm. um, but, this, but right. you want to try to do different things. So when those mm-hmm. opportunities come, you have the skill set um, yep. to be able to take advantage of it. And again, mm-hmm. persistence, because I've been turned down for a whole lot of jobs mm-hmm. over the years and different things. And so you still want to you know, continue to try right. you know, different opportunities. Man, do, do you know how many jobs denied you? Can you can you remember the, the no? I can't count? remember the number. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but you know, I don't. I don't keep. I don't keep track. I know right, that I right. applied to DOJ the wins, more than once. The, the W's, but <laughs> I know that I, you know, applied different times, different. Uh, yeah. I applied to teach at UDC uh, uh, five or six years ago. I applied to adjunct at other schools. They didn't mm-hmm. have positions. Other things come up, and uh, I had, you know got that opportunity mm-hmm. later. So again, you have yeah. to be, uh, you know, you have to be, you know, persistent, persistent. open yeah. to to trying different things. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's not, it's, it's tough. You know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. So so try to be realistic. Yeah. So why prosecution? As a black man being a prosecutor, I've heard all the stereotypes and people try to talk me out of it, the doubt, the how can you be part of the system, all this stuff. In the 90s and the 80s, like, you decided to become a prosecutor in this time. Why? Well, I I guess a couple things. One, you don't want to cut, you know, you need jobs, right? And so you want to say, I'm going to cut <laughs> out. some money. <laughs> so you need, you know, to to maybe I mean a lot of money, but you need jobs. So just to say, right. I'm not going to do this whole area this of whole law area. as as an avi- as a trial advocate. You minimize cuts, it. You minimize the your pool, opportunity. Like, yeah. the things you're yeah. going to do. The but percentage I, I, now is lower. Yeah, yeah, the percentages are lower, <laughs> and so you look at that as an opportunity. But mm-hmm. I, I do understand and I respect people that say, you know, that they can't, you know, work in the particular system. Yeah. And they talk about things like the crime bill and, and yep. the incarceration rate. Mm-hmm. And, and things like that and the unfairness of the of the system I, you know i totally get that and if you have the opportunity and it matches your philosophy you know god bless you but on the other mm-hmm. hand the system needs people like us they it needs mm-hmm. people in the prosecution office because prosecutors have so much discretion yeah. in deciding whether or not they're going to charge someone or not how mm-hmm. they're going to what type of sentences they're going to recommend how they're going to present the evidence, mm-hmm. how they're just going to look at these, you know, these situations. So you need that balance. And and mm-hmm. that's what, you know, one of the things that Eric Holder, when he became the prosecutor for mm-hmm. the attorney general and then before that, the U.S. attorney, is that he really changed the focus of, of the U.S. attorney's office. Mm-hmm. Um, he put prosecutors in community, in the D.C. community. Mm-hmm. There was sort of this very much in the in the 80s and 90s and before the U.S. Attorney's Office over here and the rest of the D.C. community over, over there. Mm-hmm. And maybe still some of that. But he made an effort and then Wilma Lewis became U.S. Attorney for Holland to pick up on that and really physically putting prosecutors in the community, making yeah. us interact more with the community, having things like implicit bias training when we became, mm-hmm. became Department of Justice to kind of deal with some of these issues. Um, yeah. And so, but it's important to have people of color, people of different backgrounds, mm-hmm. and black people 
in mm-hmm. U.S. Attorney's Office in the Department of Justice making those decisions. Now, yeah, you know, I'm, I'll caution you though that you, mm-hmm. you, you, I know you're going to get your prosecutor position, um, you know, <laughs> soon. Uh, you're not going to be able to change the world mm-hmm. when you come into the office. You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to set everyone free and do mm-hmm. the things that you, you know, you may want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you can make incremental change. And yeah. I think that's important. And you do make a difference in those positions. But it is tough. I mean, there are times when you yeah. feel like, you know, I don't necessarily agree with this. I don't know. But this is the position. This is what the law says. Right. This is the office policy. And you have to kind of make, like I said, you know, incremental change. I can give you an example. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the duties I had in the U.S. Attorney's Office was collect collecting debt from uh, criminal defendants, people after they were mm-hmm. prosecuted, after they were, there was this, something called the Mandatory Victim Restitution Act. So in yeah. every case- like The Victim Crime Fund type thing. Fund, right. The judge yeah. has to order mm-hmm. restitution and the Financial yeah. Litigation Unit in the U.S. Attorney's Offices would collect that mm-hmm. restitution. And one of my areas of supervision, working with the, we call it the FLU, Financial Litigation Unit. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would, it's a great group of uh, paralegals and, and techs that I work with and mm-hmm. staff that, you know, very diligent in collecting the, the funds. One mm-hmm. of the things we would do is garnish the salary. And once the person gets mm-hmm. out, gets, figures, finally gets a job, yeah. and then they get garnished. Yes. Now, what happens when the garnishment notice hits their employer mm. from the U.S. Attorney's Office collecting on right. crime. They lose their job. Yeah, and so you don't collect. So right. one of the things we tried to do was do voluntary wage allotments. So we would say, mm-hmm. rather than us doing the garnishment, mm-hmm. you sign this this agreement, and there was some court, and it was not necessarily fair, but it was better than the garnishment that you would say, pay something so we don't right. have to garnish and therefore, you can job. continue to have you know your job, yeah, yeah. you know little things like that. Um, but mm-hmm. I had a, you know I had a judge that say you know this isn't really fair um, mm-hmm. that we're st- people finish their sentence and they still have these huge judgments mm-hmm. that follow them for twenty years and it makes yeah. it difficult to get a fresh start. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and the judge was right, but I said you know that's the law. You know we have to mm-hmm. you know apply the law and we're sort of reviewed on how well we're doing with these collection efforts. Um, mm-hmm. But you could do a little bit of a change with these agreements as opposed to the mm-hmm. full restitution. Yeah. You know, there are other little and, and over time, bigger things that happen when people are in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, these positions. I think certain arguments in criminal cases, people don't make, or you may confront folks that they're doing things that, mm-hmm. that aren't, uh, appropriate when you're in yeah. the office and but you can't change immediately right but over time you know i think you can you can do more yeah. and i think you know look at uh, eric holder's time as u.s attorney he hired a lot more uh black attorneys than been mm-hmm. in the office before and and that continued to change and that changed sort of the whole focus so Mm -hmm. again i understand people that say fundamentally i can't work as a prosecutor but if you want to be you know want to litigate and you want to do interesting criminal or even civil litigation you can't cut yourself out from that whole whole area particular employment but in in the there you can make some change right 
to concede an entire one of the strongest tools in our legal system right. to one race is insane. Right. <laughs> like that, just that off of that alone, just doesn't make any sense. Unless you're yeah. kind of just not being a part of like you want to be like, like anti-tax people or anti-citizen type people. But like, if, unless you feel out being that, like as long as you live in our system, to say none of us should be represented in a predominantly white space with the most amount of power in our system. Yeah, it's it it's, doesn't it's a make recipe. You you you're you'll see sentences that aren't fair. You mm-hmm. see, uh, I, like I said, I think they sometimes they folks will say things and do things in, in their theories and their court oh, presentations yeah. that aren't appropriate. And yeah. you know, and judges take those out. recommendations. Judge, judges judges go that. with what yeah, you judges say. Yeah, what you say, uh, mm-hmm. or judges, you know, it it it's just uh, you know who they pick on the jury. You know, who's who's right. going to have yeah. participate on the jury. All mm-hmm. those things matter, and I just think, yep. you know, shutting yourself, like you say, shutting yourself out from that space mm-hmm. when we need jobs. One, people need to be yeah. in in these positions, and I think you do make change. Now, again, not overnight. Not immediately, but there are opportunities to to, to you really make a really make a difference. Yeah, and then there are stepping stones to people to get to the bench. You know, a lot of former Mm -hmm. prosecutors become judges, Mm -hmm. and so having that experience, you know, gets you to that where you can have even a greater impact. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Down the down the line. Yeah. So you've been practicing, and then you decide to become a law professor. (laughs) I always say, not. Every lawyer means he makes a great law professor. <laughs> I feel like teaching is a whole other yeah. skill. How did you transition into teaching? How did you transition into that skill? And that's another, again, another sort of contact from law school. Mm. Uh, classmate, uh, Jay Cook, who's a professor now at the University of Georgia. Nice. He was also a former assistant U.S. attorney and, mm. like I said, a good friend in law school. Mm-hmm. And he left many years ago. He left the U.S. Attorney's Office to teach, and he would, you know, talk about the experiences. And he taught at several different schools, and mm-hmm. he actually taught with Professor Britton, uh, oh, Dean nice. Britton right. at uh, UDC. Yeah, they're they're good friends. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, so he would say, you know, you should consider being an adjunct. You should consider. And so mm-hmm. I, like I said, I had a, looked into it at a few other schools, and uh, didn't did, didn't work out. But I'd work with the interns in the U.S. Attorney's Office, and I had taught. Mm-hmm. At the training center, Department of Justice, I taught law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Different, obvious, big difference from that in teaching at law school. But um, yeah. it was something interesting. Interest me. My wife is a professor at the University of Maryland Dental School, nice. and she's been at it for a long time. And yeah. uh, so I thought it was in- something interesting. Uh, our kids were in college with this empty nest, mm-hmm. so I thought it must be something uh, a challenge. And Jay, yeah. uh, Professor Cook, Jay Cook, sent me the. Uh, advertisement for UDC when sadly mm-hmm. Professor uh, Ruben Cook had yeah, passed rest away. In peace. Rest and in peace. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so Dean Adams yeah. was able to give me the opportunity to teach property. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it is a new skill. You know, I lean into a lot with uh, a good friend who's a professor uh, undergrad in uh, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And he's mm-hmm. been, a, like I said, a professor a long time. And he's been helpful. My wife, okay. Professor Cook, UDC, uh, 
yeah. Professor Lee. And your parents. This is your blood. Your parents are teachers. Well, too. yeah, that, that's what my mom says. <laughs> right, right. But you know, I you know, it's trial and error with that too. You know, I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from the students, and uh, you know, continue mm-hmm. to try to try to get better. And uh, so we taught property, and then you know, yeah. I didn't know anything about mock trial in these competitions mm-hmm. until uh, Dean Adams called and said we had this mock trial class. Right. And you're interested in teaching that and. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so sort of looking into that and learned right. about this whole mock trial community. You know, it's been interesting. Mm-hmm. And that's how we yeah. met. Well, we did meet in property when Professor Rubin could pass away. Yeah, yeah. And you taught, like, I think, our second semester of property. property two, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was great. Yeah. And then yeah. we obviously got closer because you were a mock trial coach. Right. You taught right. mock trial. Mock trial, um, yeah. Yeah, so what was your experience like first semester teaching mock trial? First semester teaching mock trial, like I said, I didn't know anything. I knew I taught <laughs> trial advocacy, and I, that was always right. what I thought I would teach, as opposed to property mm-hmm. was, was trial advocacy. Uh, from working in the U.S. Attorney's Office and tax, doing trials in the tax division. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mock trial, I decided well, I was going to teach trial advocacy, and then figure mm-hmm. out the competitions Definitely, as we yeah. as we went along. And uh, and you know, we talked about Stetson being kind of the one mm-hmm. of the big uh, mock trial programs, and so I yep. reached out to them before the semester and got some advice from uh, uh, Professor yeah. Bowles, who teaches there. Mm-hmm. The people at Temple were very helpful, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, ten, ten of you guys in the class, and yeah, it was mm-hmm. a really good group. I mean, not mm-hmm. just saying that all the t- folks I've taught, <laughs> so you guys were a good yeah. group to start out with, um, and it was an interesting time. You know, we we're all uh, COVID, so it was online, mm-hmm. and uh, it was during the uh, Shelvin trial after Rodney King. Yeah. So it was a really good, interesting time to be de- dealing, teaching trial advocacy. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and then, so that fall, we just kind of focused on, you know, the fundamentals mm-hmm. yeah. of trial yeah. advocacy and kind of getting to know mm-hmm. each other and, and working together. And then the spring, you know, we get into the competitions and mm-hmm. uh, we did Balsa and we did, uh, I think yep. Phi Alpha Delta has a competition mm-hmm. and, you know, trial and tribulations. Uh, it's a competition from the University of South Carolina. So, you know, learning mm-hmm. just kind of the, the how the competitions work. Yeah. And I, I say, and I said in the, in the first class with you guys, that my goal isn't that we necessarily, you know, we do what we do in the competitions will happen. The goal is that you to be better trial advocates, you know, that we learn yeah. trial advocacy Overall. and use the competitions to build our skills. Absolutely. Yeah. But as you get into it, you want to win, you know, you want to yeah. be successful, oh, yeah. you know, and you start getting oh, yeah. into the competitions and compete. And, uh, you know, we've had some success and we continue to you mm-hmm. know, kind of build on that. And yeah. the, the alums, I know you had, you had Kendall and Kendall Rodriguez. And, and Jovina, Jovina, yep. They've also, and they've, they're also alumni of the Conversation Podcast. Alumni, and they've helped, <laughs> and they've helped, they've been great coaches. Yeah. And I know James King, who you've had, yep. uh, he yep, was, James. you know, sort of started the program and, mm-hmm. and everything and so work yeah. with him a little bit so it's been good to work with the alum work see the students yeah. develop and uh continue to to compete and we've done some yeah. different competitions we've done mm-hmm. we did the regional competitions for the national trial competition and then we did the aha mm-hmm. uh competition last uh last year so hopefully we'll yeah. get back into those and uh yeah. keep building yeah, I, I definitely that. admire that about you. You never stopped learning. I feel like, and it's inspiring because the with the amount of success and experience that you've had, you still came to a level of 
I'm going to start at zero and build up and learn this new thing. And you, and you, I saw you talk to a lot of people and pick people's brains and took the time yeah. to learn this new area. And it's inspiring because I know that when I get farther in my career, never to feel like, oh, I've been at the DOJ, I've been at the <laughs> FPC, I've been at the I know about mock I can know this. No, like it's a, it's a whole new arena. Like right. you may know in, in this area, but it's a new arena. And I'm going to have to start as there and learn a, a new thing. So I definitely admire that that about you when you did those. Well, things. well, thank you. It's it's, it, it's kind of makes it interesting, right? If you just sort of stay mm-hmm. static and and yeah. uh, you know do the, some of the same things, so it's 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 good to to learn th- new things. Kind of keeps you mind active, you yeah. know, and and yeah. getting to meet new people. So it's it's been a good experience. Yeah. So what would you say is the learning. biggest difference? Yeah. What would you say is the biggest difference between mock trial and actual trial? Like, what are some? Well, one you of just the difference. Some of the bring it to real world. <laughs> one of the the there are a couple of things. One is a lot of the mock trial problems are tried to be written even. You know, like facts mm-hmm. on both sides. Right. Usually, right, right. not necessarily like true in a real trial. There's that perfect yeah. symmetry. Although, if there's too much evidence one way or the other, the case would settle. So that's right. some of the the mm-hmm. reality. The other is you're usually often dealing with a jury, and mm-hmm. uh, so it's a little bit different than trying to score points with the judges. You're mm-hmm. trying to connect with the jury in terms of mm-hmm. you know, your evidence. Uh, you're not in a trial. You know, style is important, mm-hmm. but it's getting in the evidence. And so sometimes yes. I think in mock trial, if something doesn't go right, but you are persistent and you ultimately get it in, you don't mm-hmm. get points for that because it may not necessarily be smooth. But right. in a trial, it, the key thing is to get the evidence in mm-hmm. and not necessarily the style points. And right. some of the competitions, the students that do well are a little uh, phony, I guess is a way to, a little yes. bit uh, lacking yes. in that authenticity. No seasoning. No, right. It's they, like sort of, they do debates. <laughs> they they they're good at debating right. and they're good right, at right. sort of scoring the points. Yeah. And uh they don't have that sort of authenticity. I think in real trial that you show that you're a real person and that you're right. you know, that authenticity is important, not just with a jury, but also with you know, even with a bench trial. While it can mm-hmm. be a little artificial in uh the mock trial but some, but a lot of it is very similar you know cross-examination is hard in real trial and mm-hmm. in mock trial mm-hmm. you know a lot of lawyers will say oh you know that theme and theory stuff is just for you know mock trial you just get to the evidence mm-hmm. but i think having that theme it doesn't necessarily be the first thing out of your mouth but having like right. some way of presenting your evidence is important you know in a jury mm-hmm. trial in a real trial and yeah. so you can kind of take that from from mock trial uh absolutely that, that aspect yeah, of it yeah I, I think that was the biggest thing i learned too and I, and I said this too like when we were going over reviewing for some of our competitions it just felt like we were putting too much like not showmanship but too much attitude not attitude i'm gonna say attitude but too much extra stuff on it or we were being too uh Expressive. That's the first word I felt. Or like, yeah. every, where our competitor was very just like st- straight with the law and nothing. But we were doing a law too, but I felt like we were being too expressive. And like you said, they didn't really appreciate that. But, but, but what I did learn was that sometimes it was too much expressive, but not enough detailed in like, okay, these are the objections. These are how you respond to the objections. This Bang. is the law. This is where you put this. So th- there has to be a balance where you can be expressive. You could be who you are. 
but you also need to know the facts of your case. Right. You also need to know the rules of evidence. Like it needs right. to be by the book. Yeah. Well, I think the thing that I've learned and and one, I think UDC, we've been really good with the theme theory and their opening yes. and closing. Our openings are always fine. I feel like our openings <laughs> and closing are amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah like always really, fine. really good and and better. Yeah. And the judges will comment on how not not just saying a theme and theory, but tying it mm-hmm. to the evidence. Exactly. You know, like in the in the trial you did, the 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 theory was that this we were the prosecutor and this person mm-hmm. you know was. This two personalities. It was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Mm-hmm. But we presented yeah. evidence as to when he attacked the people. When he attacked people yeah. and mm-hmm. in the past and how when confronted, he would this other side of his personality would come out. Yep. So we tied yep. the evidence to it. A lot of times folks will make a comment or have a theory, but it's not connected anyway to the, the evidence. Mm-hmm. And so I thought we were good. And then we, I, I think for the most part, been very authentic in presentation. Oh, yeah. And Absolutely. every, every year I, I go back and I look at like, I try to look at the scores and I try to see what we did well and what mm-hmm. we need to work on. And then the next year, sort of the, that build on, it. build on it. Like the first year I thought we lost a lot of points on cross-examination. It mm-hmm. may have been because it was virtual and it was sort of hard to interrupt and, and mm-hmm. control the witness. But the witness, and the judges would say, we didn't control the witnesses enough. So the next year, mm-hmm. I tried to kind of build on that yeah. um, to, to be better in cross. And then uh, ne- the next year was evidence. I thought we could have mm-hmm. been better, as you were saying, in, in the rules of evidence. Yep. And, yep. you know, so I really said, bring your evidence rules to every mock trial class and to mm-hmm. really kind of kind of focus on building on uh understanding of the rules of evidence i know you guys have great evidence teachers at udc and yep. so i would say bring your notes from class you know bring your <laughs> your questions from class and and kind of build and see how that's applied you know i told mm-hmm. dean johnson that mock trial is like evidence applied you know it's seeing how mm-hmm. it really kind of plays out and yeah. so you know and, and again in the competition that you and diamond did we were really good at you know Shout Being to able to get in, just passed the bar. Shout out to you, Diamond Ross. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, yeah passed the bar <laughs> out in California too. Which is yeah, yeah, easy. yeah. And uh, you guys were good at getting those uh, that past event and not as character evidence, but as motive. You know, the past mm-hmm. time that the defendant had attacked someone, and yeah. you know, so we got some good rulings on that and had good alternative ways of getting that in. Yeah. So we wanted, yeah. you know, we tried to build on that. So this year, sort of as a preview. My goal is to work on our direct examinations. I think that's like, mm-hmm. you know, easy points. And sometimes yeah. in our prep, we focus on our opening and close and we focus cross. on what we're going to cross. Yeah. But we sort of say, oh, you know, we'll just send you, I'll email you the questions for direct and you read mm-hmm. them. And we don't really do the walkthrough or kind exactly. of question, practice that chemistry, question, that chemistry with, your exactly, witness. Yeah. with your witness. So this year I want to. Yeah kind of work on building that chemistry and do some exercises where we um, sort of interview each other and, and sort of play some, some games where we build on having that chemistry with the witnesses, mm-hmm. not just witnesses that we um, work with in class, you know, classmates, but even mm-hmm. bringing in guests where you can kind of practice on people you don't know and how would yeah. you prep them as your witness. Right. And, and kind of yeah. get to know them because the national trial competition and Costello they provide the witnesses so you have to mm, you get like the, yeah. 15 minutes to witch at them 
then mm-hmm. you present them. And that's, you know, that's 30, 40 points right there that mm-hmm. if we are good at getting our exhibits in evidence, it gets smooth. Um, mm-hmm. I know Kendall and, and uh, Jovina are really good at teaching that. Yep. So we can, you know, don't get hung up on when to identify an exhibit or when to offer it and all that stuff. It's really smooth. Yeah. Again, still emphasizing evidence, cross-examination, yep. theme and theory, and, and just keep building. Absolutely. So that's, that's and, these are, and, these are, and these are amazing things that actually stick with you throughout your career because I'm using them now when I have oh, child great. coming up and stuff like that. And great. not to... Not to be mock child versus law review, <laughs> but mock child is way more useful than law review. Unless you go make a career out of writing legal articles, and people, some people do, but I feel like mock child, you get to learn actual practical skills, how to introduce something as the evidence, how to impeach a witness. Like these, you're going to be doing this. If you're going to be a litigator, you're going to be doing this in your career. And what yeah. you, how you learn how to do it in mock trial. You can copy and paste and do it in your career, right. and it'll be just right. as effective and probably better than some attorneys who are practicing because they don't know how to do those things. Right. They don't they take they mock trial. They take mock trial. Right. I think, right. yeah, I think it's great. Um, the trial advocacy classes, mock trial classes. Yep. If you're going to be a litigator, a law review is great too. I'm not going to yeah, say yeah. Shout that. out to law show, review. That, that shows I, I, that I feel, you're I feel like, really in the top. I feel like law. I feel like law review gets more love than mock trial. So I'm trying to big I, up mock trial. Let's, let's give mock trial more love. I'm all right, for right. that. Right, give mock But I'm not going to say yo. if you get on law review, get on law review. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do it, do it, do it, do, do it. it. Um, but also, if you can do both, you know, that's great. Right. True. You know. True. Um, but definitely, for, if you're interested in litigation. It helps in you when you get an interview to talk about mm-hmm. the real trial, you know, the mock trials that yeah. you did and the evidence, yeah. and when you actually, you know, get the job. So I'm, I look forward to hearing more about your trials, and, and I know we've yeah. had uh, some people are now public defenders uh, that mm-hmm. were in mock trial mm-hmm. in different places around the country. So that's been yeah. good. No, I'm see. excited, and 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 I have. And you're coming back yet. to coach. Absolutely, right? Full right. circle moment. Right. It's so weird because like I wanted to become a lawyer because I did a mock trial. Like oh, once okay. I did a mock trial, people were putting the idea in my head. But once right. I did a program and I did a mock trial. Oh wow. And again, like there was some confirmation. I, I did a direct examination right. and I received the award for like best examination of the whole trial. Oh, okay. I was in I was in the eighth grade. Oh. And wow. once but, that happened, hey. I I was like, what? I'm good at something? Like, oh yeah, I'm going for this. So I went to law school because I wanted to do mock trial. Like that was my, I really enjoyed doing mock trial. Yeah, so good. being able to now have a full circle moment and come back and be a coach, that's amazing to me. That's yeah. amazing because I know law students invested in me in the eighth grade because they were the ones who put that on. So oh, being wow. able to like come back around as a new attorney fresh out of law school and impart wisdom on law students now, that's it's amazing. And that's, that's my duty. That's my duty to right. reciprocate that. So well, good. absolutely, well, that, I, I know you helped us experience. last last winter. So good, yeah. help, you, help us again. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. Had, had a great experience, and thank you for taking the time to 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 invest in us as students. Nah, and to build great. that thank, build that skill been, because it's going to carry it. us in our careers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's a great way to to segue into our final segment of the show, which is I call the closing. Argument. This is oh, perfect okay. because perfect. of my mock trial coach. <laughs> right. So you know how to do these. <laughs> so what I do is it's the closing argument. You basically you're leaving the audience with some final words of wisdom, of encouragement, something to, for them to go with. But the caveat is you have to use the word of the day in your uh, 
closing argument. You can think of it as a theme, or not yeah, as a theme, because I don't want you to use this as the theme, but think right. of it as a little tool in your closing argument. And the word of the day is invidious. Invidious. And, and okay. I cannot tell you the definition. You just have to use it to the best of your ability. That's where the creative side comes in. <laughs> okay. Just throw it in, <laughs> throw it in there. But yeah, leave, leave the audience um, with some final words of wisdom. With some final words of invidious. The closing argument. The closing yeah. argument. Well, the closing argument is a summation. And the yeah, summation true. is true. things that you have talked about uh, in, in your presentation. It shouldn't be anything new. It should be things mm. that are in evidence. And things that I've talked okay. about have yeah, been persistence in terms of anything that you want to do is, you know, work to be, you know, persistent. Don't take the first no as, you know, you can't do something. Use the connections, both people that you've work with and people that you've supervised you, you know, lean into those connections, not only working, getting their help, but help other people, you know, look mm. people, give advice, pass on when you see positions, work with people. So persistence, working with uh, your, your people, you know, that you've worked with before uh, and been in school with, have that support system, yeah. look for those moments to spark, those moments to, mm. uh, uh, those moments to spark your your career and your interest, hold on to those, and then sort of mm-hmm. minimize the negative, and mm-hmm. and build on that those positive things. When you're if you're looking to work at DOJ or anywhere, um, mm-hmm. kind of look at what you're doing now to build upon those things. So yep. just that persistence, creativity. We talked about threes, right? We talked about mm-hmm. things. So yeah, to see what threes. Think about the threes. You know, think about that persistence. Think about that 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 peer group. And yeah. that, you know, hang on to the, the positive over the negative. And yeah. Ventius, though there was a movie, I think, named that, that was mm. based on South Africa. And we talked about divestment mm. in South Africa and, and Nelson Mandela. So that's you know mm. important. That protest can be successful as it mm. did in South South Africa and uh, in the yeah. area. Amazing. Hey, give so, me that. Give me that. So that that that's all that's what I got. Morgan. That's what I got. <laughs> that's good. And I'm gonna look up the word. I don't even know what the word is. So to learn, continue to learn his other point is right, look up the word. Right, right. Invidious <laughs> in, in is invidious is of having an unpleasant nature, having a tendency to harm or cause resentment. Oh so, so you want to avoid yeah. that. Right, right. You want to <laughs> avoid that. <laughs> so you do not want to yeah. be invidious. But you don't, don't want to be invidious. Try. Yeah, yeah. You, there, I think there the was movie invidious. was not invidious. Was Invictus? Was a different yeah, name. Invictus, something, like something, like something like that. Right. But there was some but invidious natures in the apartheid. It was apartheid. Apartheid. And in the in, 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 yeah. interactions with that professor in, in law school, right? I talked about invidious. Yeah. But there, the, you want to, <laughs> you want to uh, lessen the negative. Mm-hmm. As and maximize, much as possible, the, positive. maximize yeah. the, the the positive experience to mm-hmm. kind of build on it. Because and, and sometimes you have to do it yourself. Mm. You know, you may not have that outside. You got to sort of have that internal fortitude. To build yeah. On, you know. And yeah. Because if you allow those to things that. to impact your mind, you would have you would have been discouraged. You would have kept going, and you would have been able to accomplish all the things you accomplished. Like, and yeah, yeah, some of the things, and, and try to try to pass that on. You know, that that idea yeah. on, and uh, absolutely, you know, keep 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 at it. Absolutely. And, uh, I'll well, well, yeah. appreciate the opportunity to talk and learn of course. and work. <laughs> and, and thank you for, no, of course, of course. And thank you for being on it. Because I, I definitely learned a lot from your story. I know the listeners are, are, are going to also. So thank you for taking the time and, and continue to do the work and important in students' lives and, and passing that information down. And oh, thank you. 
you've you've cemented it on a podcast now. It's for, it's forever in audio. Oh, wow, here we so, go. <laughs> it's my first podcast, so good experience. Whoa, you say new on, experiences. So. I'm so happy so, yeah, when people's so, first yeah. podcast is conversation. It makes me feel yeah. Good. yeah. <laughs>